Hello, and welcome to the HR Means Business podcast, which is part of the HR Happy Hour Network. I'm your host, Mervyn Dinan, and today we have a really interesting conversation with Matthew Davis, who's an associate professor in organizational psychology at Leeds University, uh, and has been involved in quite an interesting uh, piece of research uh, around hybrid and flexible work, but this time looking, uh, I suppose, more at kind of location and the impact on the individuals. Um, and I'm quite keen to to dig into this research. So I would like to uh, say welcome to the podcast, Matthew, and maybe you would like to tell listeners a little bit about yourself. Hello there. It's lovely to be here. Thank you very much. Um, so I'm Matt Davis. Um, I'm really interested in how people think, feel and behave at work, and in particular, what role the physical environment plays in that, so where we work, and increasingly now also hybrid. So what that change in between work, home and other places means for how we how we interact with others, how we get our job done, how we feel about our work as well. Okay, so uh, the research, uh, which I believe was, I should know, what it, well, if I introduced the research, what was it called and how did it come about? Yeah, of course. So uh, this was the, the Adapting Offices Research Project. So we're funded by the, the UK's Economic and Social Research Council to look at what the implications of uh, hybrid working, post-COVID working was in terms of what was happening for offices, but uh, really importantly, how people were working and how they were feeling about their work. So we uh, conducted a whole series of interviews with um, staff across public sector, uh, private sector organisations, talked to experts in industry, real estate and elsewhere. But we also did a whole series of, series of surveys across different sectors to understand uh, different work trends and, and patterns, uh, did lots of high frequency diary studies. So asking people to report twice a day what they've been doing, where they've been working, how they felt, um, when they were in the office, at home, other places. And that allowed us to really understand, or do people really feel differently and act differently when they're in different locations? Rather than relying on how they think they feel, we ask them in the moment. And then we also um, gather data around people's professional and social networks. So to understand uh, who they interact with, how often, what for, um, and linking that to information about where they were working. Um, as well, so lots of really interesting data. Mm. And uh, what what interested me about this was the fact that the kind of data you were collecting is often uh, information which it, it doesn't uh, uh, appear in the daily conversations and the digital narrative about kind of you know office, home, flexible. Um, it's all it, it tends to be seen from the employer's point of view as opposed to the um, I suppose the worker or the employee so I suppose initially uh, what were your top line I suppose three or four findings anything that particularly surprised you yes I guess uh, one of the uh, the big things is just how important employee choice and control is so I think we do we make lots of assumptions that people like home working or hybrid working uh, because it's flexible um, and our data, our diary data in particular, so thousands of data points in this, really, really show it. So we found that when uh, employees felt that they had more control in choosing where they were working, so home, office, elsewhere, then they also reported higher job satisfaction, more positive well-being. We kind of expect that, but the data is really clear. But interestingly, looking at when people were, let's say, within the office, um, when people felt they'd had choice over choosing where in the office to work, so maybe that's um, a desk, maybe it's a breakout area, uh, a quiet zone, cafe zone, and so on, 
um, that actually that feeling that you had the control over that, people had more satisfaction, but they actually rated high performance as well, helped colleagues more, um, felt they had lower levels of exhaustion, so more energy, um, less conflict between work and home. And interestingly as well, um, less counterproductive work behaviours, which in academic speech, that means people were doing uh, less um, social media scrolling, internet surfing, um, online shopping during work hours. So that, that's good. I think that really shows actually the power of choice. So if you're a hybrid worker, choice about location um, and your work pattern. But even if you're not hybrid working, actually making more use of the space in the office, giving people control and choice over finding the best place to work uh, within these. Other things that were really interesting as well. So we were, we were really interested, well, actually, does spending time in the office, is that beneficial for workers and for organisations? Lots of arguments over, over this. And we found when we looked at the same people and how they were reporting when they were in the office versus elsewhere, typically people when they're in the office had higher job satisfaction, uh, rated their performance higher, were more engaged in their work, helped others more than when they were spending time outside the office. So I think that makes a really good case for why it is worth putting up with the commute or the inconvenience of traveling into the office. Maybe not every day, but actually spending time in the office is good for companies, but it actually is also good for us as individuals as well. Um, although we couldn't find a sweet spot. So I think it's so individual in terms of preferences and circumstances that you can't say three days or four days in the office is ideal for everybody. Um, it's, it's much more individual than that. And maybe lastly, maybe just to say on this as well, um, I guess the other thing, there's lots of talk, I think, about the, the death of the office or what's a future office going to look like? How do we support workers post-COVID? Um, and our diary data, and this was looking at about 10,000 diary entries when people were telling us what they've been doing and where they were. We've had actually the, the proportion of individuals, we'd say solo tasks, so working on your own, maybe doing high concentration things like solving a problem, doing a design task, or low concentration, answering emails, doing admin tasks, pretty much the same proportion of the activities people said they've been doing, which were solo, whether they're in the office or at home. So people are doing as much individual work when they're in the office as when they're spending time at home. Now, most of the, um, I think the discussion around this, and if you look at the furniture products coming out and what people are doing in, in terms of their big offices, it's all about collaboration, redesigning the office to, to increase the social areas, the collaborative areas. I think our research kind of makes the point that we've got to be really careful to make sure we're still giving people that individual space that allows that focused, high-intensity work as well, because that's not going away. Okay. I mean, that's that, that's very, very interesting because um, one of the, I suppose, one of the, the, the positives uh, that, that people always state about people coming into an office or a work location is is that opportunity for collaboration the connection and stuff um firstly before i move on to that uh, did you find uh, much different uh, i suppose regarding kind of gender age ethnicity and also in terms of i suppose people who maybe are splitting their time working and, and maybe as carers or parents was was there much difference yeah so it's it's interesting isn't it so we found slightly mixed findings on this, and I think we, there's a need to do more, but it does raise the, I think the point that people are having very different experiences. Um, so I think as managers, as HR professionals, 
could be really mindful about those those circumstances that people have. So um, I guess there's a few things to say. So we we found maybe um, not surprisingly um, that people who were more extroverted, so thinking about personality, um, were more likely to choose to come into the office more often. Okay, so that you, you'd expect that. Um, but actually, for introverts, spending time in the office was a positive. So actually, it changed a bit about how they they behaved at work. They were acting in more sociable ways when they were in the office um, than when they were at home. In terms of, um, I guess, age and so on. So we found that younger workers tended to, to have better outcomes in the office um, when we were looking at our diary data. So it seemed to be a you know more positive thing for younger workers, but also people at the, the upper end of the age scale as well. So maybe older workers um, also seem to be having a better experience than maybe the more middle-aged. Um, and I feel self-conscious saying this, I feel I, I, I properly fit into this category now. So um, maybe also people who've got more family and, and caring responsibilities seem to be having a, a worse experience within the office. Um, we found a little bit of, of evidence um, that, that men may also be having more positive outcomes when they spend time in the office. Um, now, we can't say for definite what that is, um, but it was noticeable in the data that, that men seem to be more satisfied, have more positive experiences when they're in the office. So that might be down to culture. It might be because they have less home responsibilities to juggle. Um, but I think it's something to be mindful of in terms of that gender disparity. And then some other data that we gathered, and this is this is maybe, uh, I think, a little bit uh, more tentative. But we're starting to see the people who identified as a minority um, or who had a, uh, a disability um, were less engaged and less satisfied when they spent time in the office. And again, we, we can't say why that is, but it, and we didn't have huge numbers of people who identified in these categories, but they had a noticeably lower set of scores on, on those areas. So again, I think it just reinforces the need to, to keep an eye, look for you know, potential adverse um, outcomes. If we're redesigning spaces, bringing in hybrid policies, you know, just thinking about these minority groups. And I think particularly think about physical space, if people have disabilities, whether they're seen or unseen, and, and particularly maybe neurodivergent um, workers as well, we've got to be really careful to make sure there's a choice of spaces that work so people need to try to reduce the amount of distraction, interaction to feel settled. But also if you have a physical disability, some of the very social environments, much more cafe-style environments and so on, they can be quite difficult um, if you have mobility problems. So it's again, it's thinking about how do we make things inclusive whilst also uh, maybe making more fun, more innovative. Um, and I think that's an interesting design challenge. Mm. Um, one of the things that I know uh, um, has come up a few times in conversations I've had uh, around the, uh, I suppose, discussing kind of remote, flexible, hybrid working has been uh, early stage careers. Mm. I suppose people um, at the the earlier part of their career, that, that a lot of the knowledge that they pick up when they start working uh, comes from having people around them. It's seeing what other people do. It's being able to say to somebody more experienced, how do I get around this? Or, you know, I've been asked to do this. I don't actually understand what they mean. Um, and, and did you have, find much impact in terms of the younger demographic of, of uh, feeling they were either missing out or feeling more of a desire to want to be in a, a, a kind of an office type type environment yeah so it's interesting so i guess within this research project so we found um 
Yes, find some interesting things with, with newer staff, let's say. So um, people who are new to the workforce, new to the, um, the organisation. So we were finding that, um, so looking at the social networks of, of people. Um, so we found that actually when you look at, at new starters, it was less about how often people came into the office. And again, I think there's an assumption that if you're new, you need to get the staff in every day, get them into the office, get them embedded. But actually, when you look at the number of people they knew and who they were connected to, and particularly if they're connected to influential colleagues, it was less about the number of days and how often they're in the office and much more about who they're in the office with. Now, that makes sense. So being on being a new starter, going in daily, but only seeing other new starters or junior staff, it's not going to help you progress particularly quickly or maybe to, to knowledge share and, and, and learn about the organisation. So I think there's a, a real strategic thing here for HR, for managers, to look at who we get in the office at the same time. And that's what our data is showing. So when you get the right people in, more experience, maybe different teams, different roles, that's really instrumental in helping broaden people's professional networks and that aids their learning, but also the sense of belonging to the company as well, which we know that's really important for keeping hold of people um, longer term. The other thing we've seen, so we, we uh, so my colleague Helen Hughes uh, here at Leeds was uh, leading a, a piece of research we were doing looking at our, our own graduates going out for the first time to the world of work um, and looking at those particularly where they were having completely home working experiences and hybrid working experiences. It was interesting. So we saw quite a mixed picture with them. So there are some real downsides that you might expect from not spending uh, very much time in the office with others. So people talked about not having that chance to overhear conversations, look over people's shoulder, um, be able to ask quick questions from those around them. So that, that kind of learning by osmosis. But on the flip side, and I think something you know, we can make use of whether people are spending more time in the office or not, actually the, kind of the, the chat functions, the shared documents were really actually helpful for new starters to, to ask questions maybe in a, a less threatening way. You could ask for a piece of advice and it's not like you're having to interrupt somebody to ask them that. Um, but also I think as well in, in terms of just helping um, uh, people control, I think that work experience, they didn't feel maybe they were on show as much. They were having to, to kind of be so careful um, about looking like you didn't understand things. You could take your time to work through problems for the first time. Now, the flip side of that, the other thing just asking to say on this um, was actually when people spend time getting into an organization and you're on your own, so you're working from home, we found that people said, well, they really didn't have a comparison point. So they felt really uncertain whether they were up to standard, were they taking too long on things? Um, is it normal to be working till 10 in the evening? Those kind of questions, not being able to see how others are doing. We found some of our, our graduates and others, um, they were feeling that they were under more pressure because they weren't certain. Um, and I think there's things we can do actually to take away those kind of, those kind of worries if people are in hybrid um, work. Uh, the um, you mentioned uh, earlier about uh, the, the the feeling of belonging, uh, and obviously a lot of the audience here work in HR, and a lot of it, I suppose, a lot of the the the, the employee experience is about you know having this feeling this, of belonging uh, to the organisation, of uh, aligning with the culture. Um, the, the the with people interacting less uh and you did mention it just now the, the uh, did you notice the the uh, al almost reduction in this or, or lessening of this kind of feeling of belonging people saying that they really felt that that you know 
they understood the business, they were part of the culture. Do they feel in any way a little bit isolated or or, or is it that, because uh, I know you did some work on the social networks people build up within the organisation as well. So uh, has there been an impact around that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'd agree belonging is so important how we feel about the firm. Um, yes, it's a short answer. Um, so we know from looking at the, the social network data across a, a number of different offices and, and groups of um, employees that those who report less interaction with others, so they, they talk, they interact with others less frequently, maybe they have smaller networks as well, so they just know fewer people, um, then that also does relate to, to feeling less of a, a belonging. And we know that also then leads on to people feeling more likely they're going to move firms or change jobs as well. So I think that that's important. I think that interaction doesn't necessarily have to just be in the office. But I think if people aren't in the office as often, then we need to work harder as HR managers, as, as management, um, to engineer those interactions as well, maybe prompt them for some in the kind of way that we had to during COVID. And you had lots of firms encouraging line managers to do well-being check-ins and, and to, to actively manage that much more. I think that's dropped off as we come back to a more normal working state. And I think actually some of those things we were doing in the emergency situation, well, actually, we, we should be doing those if people are maybe co-located less in the office less as well. I guess the other thing would be the belonging. So I guess there's also a difference in terms of how long people have been in organisations, what their networks look like to start with. So if you already have quite an extensive network, you've got more capital there essentially to work off. We know through our interviews during uh, the pandemic and afterwards that actually people were really quite good at maintaining their, their existing networks, but they tended to become more siloed. So you have the cliques and the, the small groups of work friends or people who work very closely to each other, um, which is good for that. But it, I think it, it lessens the the sense of belonging to, to the wider organisation, less mixing as well. And that's a bit of a risk. Um, and also, I think, in, in terms of um, what that means for, for knowledge transfer, for knowledge creation, um, if people are entrenched to that kind of siloed way of working, and we know, again, our data was showing, the social network data, um, that whether you're in the office or not, people will maintain those very close relationships. So the people that you need to talk to to get your job done or to get permission and sign off, whether you're in the office, whether you're virtual, you'll find a way of interacting with them through Teams or Zoom or email. It's the people that you don't have to interact with. They're the ones who drop off. And that's the challenge, I think, for organisations. The people that you want to interact, but maybe there isn't a business need to do it frequently. Um now that that is an interesting point because uh, I mean, as somebody who who you know spent most of my career working in offices, yeah, I mean, uh, sometimes it's the people you're not sitting with all the time, you're not seeing all the time, the the the, the who you casually bump into, mm-hmm. uh, and and it's just that chat, just just to to you know what people are working on and different perspective you might be able to give them, they might be able to give you. Um, is there anything, because uh, I know there was a bit about office design and you've obviously referenced a little bit about kind of co-working spaces and things. Is there anything uh, about office space uh, and the way it's designed, which from the research you feel, you know, organisations might really need to be looking at in the future? Yeah, absolutely. I think and that kind of chance encounter, I think for me, that's a real, the real aim or the real, I think the, the benefit we can get from that co-location. 
Um, so there's things we can do and really interesting trends we're seeing in, in office design around creating more of those social activity spaces, whether it's a cafe spaces and so on, where people naturally congregate. You've got more chance of having that kind of encounter because you come together. But that might also be, you know, you can do that through um, other kind of activity zones. So actually where you place things like photocopiers, printers, water coolers, coffee machines, that everybody makes use of. So you break down some of those team barriers. We all know the water cooler moment. We can be strategic about where there's a place to encourage people to mix across teams as well. But I think increasingly now as well with hybrid, we're seeing people experimenting with desk booking systems. So increasingly we're seeing people move away from allocated desks to hot desking or having less desks for a group than there are numbers of people. And, and one of the things that's coming through alongside that are booking systems to allow people to have certainty that they'll have a desk to work from on a given day when they come into the office. Now, we can be smart with that because we could just say, well, we'll build in some rules into that booking system that means that actually we'll, we'll mix up teams. So rather than allowing everybody from a, a particular team or a, um, a department to sit together, maybe we'll, we'll mix this up a bit or force people to sit at slightly different areas in the office week to week. And I think, again, that's a, a bit of a nudge where we can use some of the technologies which are coming through to shift where people sit within offices that might help us uh, bring people into contact with people they wouldn't otherwise see. So lots of exciting things going on. One of the things, I suppose, which um, I think you touched on earlier, which was, uh, I suppose, uh, flagged up a concern for me, uh, was that uh, for two groups of people, people disclosing a disability and those identifying uh, as being part of an ethnic minority, uh, both showed in your research lower engagement and job satisfaction when they were working in an office. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that uh, something we about office design or is that something about the balance of people, I suppose, who come into the office at different times and those who, who feel more comfortable working away from it? That's a really good question. And I I don't think I don't think the data would give, would give a good answer, but I think there's probably two things going on here. So my my kind of reading of this. So I think one is on the disability side, it may be actually quite it might be quite a design thing. So in terms of accessibility um, around uh, access as well. Um, so actually, some of the environments we have, you may find that there's been a big investment in innovative space, lots of different task space, and so on. But if you have a disability, you might have particular needs that mean that you have to work from one desk. That's where your workstation set up. You may not physically be able to access other areas. And I think that's a challenge then in terms of making people feel that they are still included. They can participate in different activities if those are occurring in different areas of the office. So I think that's something to watch for. The other part, though, and I think the other thing to recognise is the office is more than physical. So... There are office cultures. We know there's office cultures and there's hierarchies and things like office banter and and, and jokes and so on that go on as well. And we know that has a big impact on how comfortable people feel within the office and particularly um, if you identify as a minority group as well. And I think if we take a step back and just reflect, we know that the office environment wasn't perfect and people, some people have very poor experiences, whether that was direct bullying and harassment or just feeling uncomfortable in the office culture before COVID. I think the difference we have now is that people have got used to being able to get out of that. If it was a toxic culture, you know, you had a good period where you probably didn't have to go in. 
And with hybrid working, you're able to stop maybe having to go in so often. So potentially that highlights actually when when you are in the fact that it's uncomfortable or it's um, it's not conducive to working in an effective way. So I think maybe that's another thing that's, that's bubbling away here. Mm. And is that what what uh, part would you say personality uh, plays in this, particularly around hybrid working? Obviously, you know there'll be a mixture of of uh, extroverts, introverts, people who feel more comfortable uh, in certain surroundings. I mean, did you Absolutely. find this this played a big part? Um, we, we 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 did find some of this. Remember, we, we need a whole other hour, I think, to get into personality <laughs> and, and how complex it gets. My colleague Anna uh, will tell me off for reducing it down to introverts and extroverts, but um, I'll start there. Okay. Um, so yeah, as I said, we did find um, the experts were more likely uh, to spend time in the office. So we were finding they more frequently uh, went into the office. We also found, interestingly, that they were more likely to sit closely to their manager. So we were looking at where people were spending time, looking at floor plans and offices and so on. So that's interesting. I think that's an interesting one, maybe as a line manager to be aware of, that not just do you need to be careful not to maybe discriminate or favour people that you see more frequently because they're spending time in the office, but just to be aware as well that different personalities, different preferences means that actually some people might quite like to be around you and you might see more of them, have more interaction with them. Others might be looking for quieter areas of the office. They might be spending time deliberately away from you because they find it uncomfortable near their manager, feel that kind of pressure. Um, So that's a challenge. Introverts, so I think there's an assumption that people who are more on the introverted side of the the, um, the spectrum are maybe both less likely to go go into the office, which we we found that, but they have a worse experience in the office. And I don't think that's the case from what we were seeing. Actually, there are lots of benefits for people maybe taking themselves out of their comfort zone, so coming into the office when maybe it wasn't their preference. So we found actually the people who are more extroverted were you know acting in more sociable ways more extroverted ways when they spent time in the office so you kind of act slightly differently maybe to your to your preference so that can be a really positive thing as well so it's good to have that challenge good to push ourselves sometimes as well but i think the key then for businesses is to make sure you've got a a mix of spaces within the office so that actually if you need to get away for a bit of quiet time maybe to have a bit of time on your own but that's an option you're not always on show or having to perform around others or feel like you're being watched. I think that's a really important thing. Um, Just before we wrap up, Matthew, I suppose uh, there's two things that that I would ask you. Firstly, was there anything um, that we haven't touched on in this chat, which really surprised you? And secondly, I'm I'm getting the impression that, that, you know, there's evidence um, there's fairly decent evidence that, that there is a benefit for individual workers um, coming into the office uh, and, and actually doing the commute. Um, now, obviously, some it might be if they have a long commute, uh, then you know, one of the benefits of working from home is they don't have to do it often. But it, it, I get the impression that, that, that there is clearly a benefit uh, to to having people in an office environment. Uh, so, you know, was there anything that particularly surprised you or, or, or was, was counter to what you were expecting? So I guess probably the, the only thing probably I'd draw out here is just how varied the this term hybrid is and how people are interpreting it. And again, we I think we assume that hybrid working is really flexible, really empowering. But I think our, our interviews and our research were showing that Actually, this can be something that's quite a stressful 
uh, arrangement as well and might be less empowering. So you might be a hybrid worker, so working sometime from home, from the office, from elsewhere, but you might not have con any control over when that is or where it is. So shift working, call center, these kind of um, workers, where actually having this mixed arrangement might mean that you have less control of your week than you would do if you were nine to five in an office. And I think that's the only thing on, on that I, I mentioned, because I think we have to be really careful what we mean by hybrid, because it, it within a firm, it can mean different things. Um, and also, if you're benchmarking against competitors, they might actually be offering very different terms, but still using the word hybrid. Um, on the, the individual benefit, so I think there's a really positive case to make for why spending some time in the office is a good thing for individual workers. And I think our data shows that and that it has these benefits of spending time with others um, and in that environment. But that goes alongside the other finding of, of control being really, really powerful in shaping that overall experience. So allowing people some flexibility over when that is. Um, and I think having the individual conversations over what's an appropriate work pattern. Um, and for some people, if it doesn't match up, they might need to, to be supported moving to different jobs where the patterns work. But it's trying to make sure that we, we have fairness in this, that people have some control, but we don't allow people to opt out completely. I think if actually we do need some office work or spent time in the office. Oh, it's, well, it's been a, fa a fascinating conversation, Matthew. Uh, uh, there's lots there to um, chew on. I think lots there for particularly HR uh, or listeners who work in HR to maybe think about uh, when they are structuring, I suppose, offices and uh, structuring hybrid work. Um, if people want to read the research, um, how can they access it? Um, so the, um, the research reports, we've got animations, podcasts, videos, and more all on our website, website, so it's futureworkplace.leads.ac.uk. Okay. Uh, Matthew, uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, thank you very much for your time. And um, hopefully um, uh, we'll be speaking again in the future when you uh, uh, hopefully do some more research. That's great. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it.